And when they did it well, the church grew even more. Problem solved, and they keep growing. So it's not like it doesn't exist in the New Testament. It exists. Hello and welcome to a bonus episode, the Freedom Fall podcast, the Freedom Leadership podcast. We did the summer series podcast. We had so much fun giving you uh, some bonus content throughout the summer. And we have decided that we're going to try to shoot for leadership episodes, church episodes, faith episodes once a month. And so we're kicking that off. I have in studio with me is my good friend, Stephen Castell, all the way from the East Coast. Stephen, hello, and how are you doing, man? Hello, Mike. Uh, I'm doing well. Well, so. and it's good to, good to be back where we can have some of these fun, fun conversations um, and hang out a little bit. I really enjoyed uh, our time together and just hearing from our Freedom Church family. Uh, people enjoyed the interviews that we were able to have and just some of the content. The AI one generated a lot of buzz as well. Uh, Mr. Seth, he came in and did some some interviews with parents. So if you haven't checked those out, they're still good. It's, they're not contained just to summer. Scroll back a little bit and, and give those a, a, a listen. Well, Mike, as you know, uh, we're still not sponsored. So this week, yeah, our non-sponsored sponsor is uh, on you. Yeah, I'm, so I'm, bringing, I'm bringing the sponsor today. So if you want to sponsor us, we're still not sponsored. All right. So freedomla.church at gmail.com. And we would love, love to sponsor whatever you got going on. But for our purposes today, uh, Stephen, are you a fan of sparkling water? Not as much as others, but I'm you getting should, there. You should be. Uh, we are non-sponsored sponsored today by SodaStream. And SodaStream is one of those devices that is a game changer for your life. I didn't know what it was. I wasn't sure what the heck it was until uh, I started buying a lot of sparkling water. And then the prices, inflation of those sparkling waters went up. And for, I don't know, Rita got some deal at Smith's, um, probably somewhere between 50 and 100 bucks. Got the SodaStream thing. And all you do is you get some water, normal tap water, whatever. And you put it into this device and you press a little button and then boom, presto, you got unlimited sparkling water at your house. It has a little refill tank in there that costs, I don't know, 10 bucks. We go through about one a month. It's amazing. Get yourself a soda stream. If you like sparkling water, it will change your life. Does it have flavor profiles that you can add to it or is it just you know, sparkling it, water? It, it, it does. And so you can add... They have these little things. You can add like a, a Pepsi one in there. I'm sure it does not taste like a, a Pepsi. Uh, they have lime, all you know, any flavor you want. Um, I've kind of gone to where I just like it straight, plain. I kind of like my coffee. I've grown from drinking coffee with a ton of creamer, ton of sugar, to I just drink it straight black. I don't know if I'm sick in the head or what, but that's that's how I roll right now. Sounds good, man. I'll have to check it out. There you go. SodaStream. Find one. Today's episode is discussing the difference between what a church is and what a business is. And yeah. do they overlap? What does the Venn diagram look like for that? I've heard people like absolutely condemn churches using any sort of business strategy. Um, but then I've, I've also seen churches that 
have done well with balancing the line. But then you also hear of churches who are just all about being business and all they're trying to do is get people in seats and stuff. So we're going to discuss them, you know, just between us as well as, uh, you know, how, to, how does freedom operate too? So I think if you're, if you're uh, tuning in for today, I think it'll be very informational. I think it will also help you maybe clarify, clarify whatever you are uh, think about this or maybe some good questions to help clarify where, where do I stand on this and in your own thoughts. I have a friend who, his dad owns a uh, a business in Los Alamos, and he was asking people like, "So, what do you think that we make here in this business?" And people were giving him all, "Oh, I think you make widgets, or you make gadgets, or you make this or that." He's like, "No, we make money." <laughs> now they they produce widgets and gadgets and all those things, but the end goal is to make money, and so as a business, that's the goal, right? Yeah. So, what is the purpose, in your opinion, Mike, of the church? Yeah, so the to me you have uh, the the great commission from Jesus, which was like go and make disciples. That's going to be for almost any New Testament church going to be high on the the mandate. Now we were talking you and I beforehand. Let's peel that back just even a little bit more. Why, why do we even exist? Uh, not just the church, but us individually on this planet Earth. It's to know God and be be known by Him, to gl- give Him glory, right? Right. So I would say if you're completing that mission of of you know reaching the lost for the letting them know about Jesus and and the love of God that He has for every person, and they're getting saved, and you're making disciples, building them up. That's definitely giving God glory. So you know fits within that. You know, at Freedom Church, how? what do we say? What's our mission statement at Freedom Church? Um, every week you're going to maybe not hear the exact mission phrase, but you're going to get some form of the word next steps. We exist to help you take your next step of faith with Jesus together. That's our mission statement. We exist to help you take your next step of faith with Jesus together. Well, when you're taking a next step of faith, you are following whatever Jesus asks you to do. If you are following what Jesus, you are his disciple, (laughs) you know? So to me, that's, that's about all we can control is like, what is the next thing that Jesus called you has telling you to do? Like if I pinned you down today, Stephen, and said, Hey, what do you feel like God's telling you to do today or change in your life or stop doing or add doing? If I really pinned you down and said, what do you think God's saying in the season? You probably have something. It'd be, you know, I would say do that. And then after you do that, tomorrow you'll get a new next step. You know, so it's just do that and you'll be in great shape of becoming a disciple of Christ. And that's what I want to help people do. And I think that we've done a good job of kind of understanding the two outer circles of the Venn diagram of like businesses make money, churches make disciples. And so like the the spot that we really want to focus in on is that middle ground of the Venn diagram of like, how does the church and the business world mix a little bit? And how do you mesh them together without corrupting either one? Yeah. And where you hear like the purist say, and, and I, for me, when I, in my background, when I hear people say, well, the church isn't a business and, you know, they, they will quote like Acts chapter two or something like that, where it's the summary statement of like these people, they met in their homes and they just shared everything they had. And, 
you know, daily, the Lord was just adding to their numbers and it was just this ooey gooey, great feeling. Oh my gosh, the church, look at it. It's just, they're not being this corporate business thing. They're meeting in homes and sharing meals and people are just being taken care of and people get saved in what, which is true. It's, it's, it's there. But, um, if you just go a couple chapters, um, you have Ananias and Sapphira, like the, the church goes from this ooey gooey, great feeling to two chapters later, they're in contention and fighting with each other. You have Ananias and Sapphira stealing from the church or just not obeying God in the way they're supposed to. And they get struck dead in Acts chapter six. Some groups of people are not getting served and taken care of. They're getting neglected. And so they're barking and complaining saying, Hey, we're, we're, there being favoritism shown here. We need some help. And the disciples have to make a decision to say, Hey, we are supposed to be teaching, you know, about the good news and preaching and teaching. We can't do this all by ourselves. So they got to make a business decision in a sense. I mean, it's a spiritual decision. It's the mesh that you're talking about. They say, we got to get some, what they call deacons, some servants, some guys who are, uh, that we can trust that can help with this concern because it's a legitimate concern. So what do they do? They get some deacons and people vote and say, yep, let's do these guys. And when they did it well, the church grew even more problem solved and they keep growing. So it's not like it doesn't exist in the new Testament. It exists. How can viewing the church as an organization benefit its growth as leadership? I think one of the things is just to be, at least for me, that's helped is being just realistic one one of the things that comes to mind is, you know, when I go to Lowe's, they're not like, oh, you get the God discount. You know, you're, you're going to buy these supplies for the church, but you belong to a church. So therefore, you get the God discount. You just get to get everything for free. You know, whatever you want, just take it. I've yet to walk into a Lowe's or Home Depot or a Walmart or Smith's or anything like that. No, no one's handing out uh, the, the God discount, the rea- I mean, this is kind of just silly to think about, right? But it's like, you got to purchase stuff. Well, if you got to purchase stuff, that means you got to handle your finances. If you're going to deal with people, which the church is about people, well, then you better be able to handle conflict. You know, there's a great book called the book of Proverbs that kind of tells you how to do these things and navigate how to handle finances, how to deal with conflict, how to live life. And so to me, it's just like God gave you a whole book on wisdom and how to do life. Use it. The other thing that organizations and businesses do is that they have the ability to look forward to what's coming down the pike and they're able to uh, adjust to stay relevant and I know that just made a lot of people mad. So said that the church needs to stay relevant. I get it. But I'm not saying sacrifice the gospel. But if you're not looking down the pike and seeing what technology is coming down, then you wouldn't have been on Zoom during COVID. Yeah, no. And, and I mean, quite honestly, you and I took a, a risk and we did a whole podcast on AI. Right. And in a way, it was a very introductory conversation that we had. But we also learned that it's not going away anytime soon. So, uh, if ever. And so, why not start looking at it and talking about it and 
you don't have to be afraid of it. And yeah, are there pitfalls? Absolutely. But let's leverage it. And just like anything else, like I go back to Proverbs, but that kind of dictates a lot of how I do life and how I lead and how I approach different things. It's like, I'm just taking biblical principles and applying it to AI. I'm just taking biblical principles and, and applying it to how I use social media. I'm in the world, but not of the world. Um, what are some other uh, advantages of organizational principles that the church could hold on to or in the state? Well, I I've, can give you a couple uh, examples. One of them, you know, just in like leadership books, I, I read a lot. But one one that I've one book was called Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. It's not a church book at all, but it's helped me tremendously as a pastor. And this Chris Voss is a former FBI. Uh, I think he was the head of the FBI, or, or at least in, for hostage negotiations. And so he writes this book about how back in the day, whenever they would do hostage negotiations at the FBI, it was basically like brute force that they would go in and just be like, Hey, we're bigger and stronger than you. You either, you know, let those people go or we're going to come in and just take you out. And they found that their success rate to getting the hostages out or the hostages got killed or some, you know, something, it was like random or 50, 50 at best. Like it was just like, we don't even know how this is going to go until Chris Voss came in there and started to implement some changes. And what he did was instead of brute force, we're just going to come take you out. He would get on the phone and start to empathize with whoever the hostage taker was to just say, Hey, what, you know, tell me, you know, what, what do you need? What are you looking for? And he would use a lot of social and interpersonal skills to really relate to this person. And through conversation and through just hearing that person out, their success rate for getting hostages safely out in that situation resolving itself raised astronomically. So he took what he learned as an FBI hostage negotiator to just life in general, business. And, you know, for me as a pastor, it was like, hey, here's how you listen to people and here's how you empathize, not to manipulate, but just to be more present with the people around you. It was phenomenal and it's changed how I interact with people. So to me, that is one example of hearing how something from outside the church has helped me become a better pastor. Now, here's the other thing with any of these books that are read. They're all really biblically-based principles. He's not using the Bible, but when he's talking about you know having compassion for people that you don't agree with, love your enemies— he gives very practical ways on how to do those things. So you're not necessarily throwing out the Bible. It's like, it's all right there. Um, just written in a, from a, from a business perspective. What are some of the concerns that you've heard of people not liking the idea of the church being a business? Fortunately, a freedom. This is not a, has not been a huge issue. Typically, it will come when it comes around finances. 
because Freedom Church does receive tithes and offerings, and our people are absolutely amazing in how generous they are. And I think if someone's going to give to an organization, you should be accountable for how you're spending. So we try to be open and transparent on how we do that. We set a budget. Now, we don't have business meetings for the, the entire church because that's, that's not how we're, we're led and structured. But if anybody wanted to see it, I'd be like, here, here it is. Here's my salary. You can see it, you know. Um, and, you know, people can agree or disagree with how we're doing that. But, it, you know, just at the same time, that's just how we're set up. But I've seen it in, in volunteering, too. I'll give you an example where we needed help tearing down. And one of our goals for our teardown team is, or just kind of our mission as a teardown team, if someone serves and helps tear down, we will tear down and load up and clean so you can stay after church and have conversations. And so we tell somebody if, if you're putting up chairs or carrying stuff out to the trailer and there are people that are staying and hanging out and talking, you pat yourself on the back. Job well done because that's what we want people to stay and hang. And I had somebody kind of confront me on that and say, well, why do we need a teardown team? I mean, just shouldn't people just know that that's what they're supposed to do and they would just stay and they would help? And I would say in 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 theory, that would be great that people would just recognize, hey, this is part of my church family, my home, and I would do that. In an ideal setting, we would utopia, we would just all do that. But I said, well, what's the reality? That kids got, or, uh, people have kids, and they got to go put them down for a nap, or they got to eat, or they want to stay and hang and co- have a conversation. So using just a little bit of business wisdom, we said, let's put a team together on a schedule. And certainly anybody can help clean up whenever they want. If they feel like it, we won't remove that option. But we will have a known dedicated team each and every week. That way, if you're not on the, the list, Stephen, to serve that week, you have the freedom to know somebody else has got it covered. And I can stay and talk to this friend. And I don't have the burden of, oh, I got to stop this conversation because they might need my help. No, you know, you know, without a doubt, I I see, I know there's a schedule. I see who's doing it. I'm free to just be present with this person. And when I explain that to this person who had their concern, they're like, oh, that makes sense. And so to me, sometimes it's just like, that's just this very simple business principle. If you want to call it a business principle to say that's how we help build relationships at Freedom Church is have a teardown team. I know that that teardown team idea has helped me a lot is I like to help. That's just one of the things that I do. And if I'm going to invite someone to church, I need to know that they can sit with me and that after church we can go out to eat or we can do whatever. And I don't have responsibilities or I won't get stuck doing something else and so that principle has helped me a lot it's just the comfort of being able to invite someone to church so we've been talking for a while so i'm going to do the pastor thing and i'm going to say let's start to wrap this sucker up let's do it let's do it what advice do you have for pastors and church leaders who want to strike a balance between spirituality and organizational growth yeah so i learned this in a book i can't remember the name of the book i think it's like 20 things that didn't teach you in seminary 
Um, but it, 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 to me as a, as a young pastor, this was super, super helpful. He said, basically you're, when you're pastoring a church, people want your pastor to do three things and do them well. And the, the three things were kind of in, in these categories. He said hats. You want, you want, you want your, to, to, to put on this hat. Um, and one was you want them to have the pastor hat. And what does that mean? That means uh, pastoral visits or counseling or a hospital visit or funerals or, you know, when, when things hit the fan, you want a pastor who actually cares for you, who can show up in person or uh, be there for the phone call or send that text message or, or give some counseling and wisdom. I had a, I had one yesterday. So, you know, someone needed some, some help making a decision. And so we just sat down and talked for like 20 minutes through that. You want a pastor to wear the pastor hat. Okay. Now another hat, the second hat, uh, you want them to be able to preach. Like when you go to a church, you kind of expect that pastor to be able to speak, preach the Bible, uh, cast some vision, challenge, inspire, encourage, you know, all the things you want them to be a good communicator. Um, and then also you want the pastor to, to, um, be an organizational leader. And what I mean by that is like, Hey, they better be able to, uh, re- recruit and train teams, uh, build teams. They better be able to handle finances and handle a budget and, and manage things. The organizational administrative day-to-day things that happen behind a church, you want a church to, or a pastor to handle those things well. And, and when they don't, Hey, I, my pastor, I'm not sure if he cares about me. I mean, he, he just handles the, he preaches, but I don't know who he is. Well, you may not hang around that church very long if you don't feel like the pastor cares. If the pastor can't preach, oh, you probably ain't going to be hanging around that church very long either. He might be very caring, but oh my gosh, in the sermon, land the plane, make a point, something, anything, right? Um, And then if they can't lead, if they can't organizationally lead, uh, if it's a disaster for teams, and it's just a big dramatic fight with how that he runs an organization. If he's a bully or if he just can't build those teams, recruit, or if he can't manage money, he can run a church into the ground. If, if he can't set a budget, um, those are all detrimental things. Now, Steven, my question is for most pastors, um, how many of them do you think have all three of those that they excel with? I would imagine you could count, all of them on both of your hands for the last 2000 years. Yeah. So Jesus, Jesus is it, (laughs) right? Right? Like we want our pastor to have all of those things. And when I read this book, it was super helpful. He's like, listen, you're reading this, you're a pastor. You do not have all. So don't even try. Um, at you have one at best two that you are good at. And so, it was very freeing for me to recognize I can be who God created me to be. It's not wrong to have those expectations, you know, to, to have those expectations of your pastor, maybe have healthy expectations. That would maybe be the, the better takeaway here, but you want those things in a church. You know, for me uh, personally, it's not that I don't care about people, but that, that piece of it, the caring piece is something that probably is my, is one of my areas of weakness. Now, Though I, like I just mentioned yesterday, I had a conversation. It doesn't mean I never take phone calls or I never go on a hospital visit or I never do those things. But I also recognize this is a weakness of mine. 
counseling is not my strong suit. So I will lean on church members. Um, and we do that through our connect groups. Hey, that's where you're going to find the care. That's where you're going to find the ministry. That that's the people that you really want, not me. Um, and so we work together and become this beautiful family taking next steps of faith together. So I would say to a new leader or to a church is to recognize your strengths, be humble and honest about your, your, your weaknesses, and then lean on the church body to come together and, and be that body. Hey, we got a pinky, we got a, a, a rib, we got, you know, all these different things. Let's, let's put them together and see it function in a beautiful way. Surround yourself with people that know the stuff better than you. Then you have people to go for advice for. Yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest uh, uh, piece of advice I'd give someone that's trying to put the church and the business together is find people who are amazing, like deacon or elder type people, but also find good Christians that are business successful and put them in a room where you can ask questions and glean information from both of them because it's done me well as far as like trying to find friends that are smarter than me is I don't need to be the smartest person in the room, but all of us together can make better decisions. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's exactly how we've set things up at freedom church. We have a leadership team. All right. Uh, Lynn Bjorklund, Seth Evans, myself, Rindle and Linda Carver, Bill and Lily Chapman. And so it's an interim leadership team, but my, my personal thought is me, Mike Brake. If I just make all the decisions and lead Freedom Church, I can make some great decisions. I can make some really, really stupid decisions all by myself. So I feel like if I have a group of trusted leaders um, and we make a decision, we are going to have a really hard time making a a dumb choice because those people have been in the trenches. I, I know them. I trust them. And we're gonna, we're, I'm gonna feel a whole lot better at the end of the day if we all say yes. I'm like, okay, this is we can, we can work together. Or if we all say no to something, okay, we can work together. Now, I will also say this: going back to the hats, this is important. Sometimes it's helpful for me when I'm in a conversation with somebody to say, hey, I'm putting on my organizational hat. I don't have the pastor hat, the one that's at the hospital with you, and you know. This is not, this is going to come across maybe a little bit more blunt. You're going to be like, is he even spiritual? Like, who is this guy? But sometimes it's helpful to people to uh, know, hey, this is, I'm wearing the organizational hat and you want me to be an organizational leader. So this won't sound, um, you know, too nice all the time, all super loving and caring. But, you know, I'll give you an example would be the Loveless Alamos Fund. Somebody makes a request and say, hey, this family needs rent this month. And, um, you know, if they, if they don't get, uh, $800 or $1,200, then, you know, they may not make rent. They might lose, you know, not have enough food or whatever. Now with the caring side of me is like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. We got to help this family out. But the business side of me says, you know what? We are low on funds and we have a lot of other requests coming in. And we made a decision a long time ago. We want to maybe, maybe we can't help to a certain dollar amount of everyone else, but we want to like to help the masses. So I, you know, I might say, well, they need $800. Um, my, my opinion is we need to give them two fifty. That's what we set the limit at. And that's how we can help. Now, 
my caring side cares for this family and what that means for them. But sometimes we have to look at our finances and say, we don't have the money to cover that. Now, that doesn't make everyone happy all the time. But at the end of the day, somebody's got to make a decision. Now, fortunately, I'm not personally making all those decisions. Again, we have a team. So if we make a decision to go for 250, I feel pretty good about that team decision. One of my biggest things that I feel that churches and people in general need is um, one of the keys to fostering like spiritual growth and organizational leadership is trust. Yes. If you don't trust, you're not getting anywhere. No. Um, This comes from the Speed of Trust book by uh, Stephen M. R. Covey. And um, he talks about if you're trying to do something and you have trust, everything's going to be more efficient and it's going to cost less. And there's going to be like pride in what's done. But if you have distrust, it's like a tax where people are always checking people's work and they're going behind people's backs to make sure that people are doing what they're supposed to be doing and stuff. And so if you have trust and you've built the trust, when the leadership team says, we have $250, I know that doesn't make you super happy, but the people trust the leadership team, then everything's going to go over smoother because they know that you care and you're making the best decision for Freedom Church as a whole. And so I think trust is the biggest thing of all of this is like the biggest Venn diagram middle is the church has to be trustworthy and businesses have to be trustworthy and to be successful in both of that the people have to trust the things that are going on. Yeah. And two words that are two thoughts that come to mind with that are how do you build trust? One is vulnerability, transparency. So, I'm not trying to hide the finances from anybody. I think I think at the end of the day, most people, they just want the church to run. And they can go and, and use their spiritual gifts. They don't want to go to a business meeting and make all these decisions. That's not everybody. I think just most people, and that's why you know a lot of people that I've been a part of, like most people don't go to church business meetings because they're like, just, just run. So that's how we run at Freedom Church. We have leaders, and, they, and we try to, to run it and, and do it well, but we're also just transparent. But is, at the end of the day, it's, it goes beyond just even finances. This is like, how do you live your life? And, and being open and vulnerable and transparent. I think the other thing is clear communication. Be clear. This, you know, so, so there are times when you got to wear the hat, and it's like, this is, um, you know, this is the decision. And, and like it or not, but just being clear, or this is the direction that we're going. Um, and the clearer you are th- with that vision, the, the more helpful it is. And then I just think character over time, you know, so if you're vulnerable, you're clear, but then your integrity is in place. You're in, you're set up over time to build, uh, trust. I would give all the listeners of this, especially those who go to freedom church. If you want to trust the leadership, talk to them. If you have an issue with them, if someone says something from the pulpit or whatever that you have a problem with, talk to them. Talk to them in love. Talk to them in grace. But part of how you build trust is repetition of, this is what I heard. Is that what you meant? And then the restoration. And so talk to talk to pastors. One of the hardest things about being a pastor is when someone leaves the church and you don't know why. 
Yeah. And then you hear it from other people like, oh, I heard this is the reason. And you're like, man, if they had to talk to me, that's, that's not what I meant. Like, so my challenge to all of you guys, their, your next step is the next time you see an opportunity to talk to a leader about something like this, build the trust. Because oh, yeah. that's what's going to drive the church and going to make the church more trustworthy to all of Los Alamos. Yeah, in love. It, that, that's huge because I've had people talk to the pastor and it's a total beatdown. Um, I, I still have uh, scars and uh, triggered from from some of those. But no, for the most part, and most part, people do awesome. But yeah, in love, you're coming with encouragement. Hey, I noticed this or I had this question. Um, those things generally are fantastic conversations where you come out stronger in that relationship um, too. So, all right, that's been uh, our, our this month's episode, this month's podcast uh, on business and the church. And so uh, if you got something out of this, shoot us an email and freedomla.church at gmail.com or hit us up on one of our social media inboxes. We'd love to hear what you got in questions that you have. We'll be back next month. Uh, next month's topic, we're going to be talking about discipleship in that process, something along those lines. And so you're going to like these leadership podcasts, these church podcasts, faith podcasts coming up once a month. We'll drop them bonus episodes and try to help you out so you can take your next step of faith with Jesus and we can do that together. Freedom Church, we love you guys. Go be a light. Go take those next steps and we'll see you online next time.